Good morning. Good afternoon. Good evening. Depending on where you're at, it's a good day. Good to see all of you. And perhaps you were here earlier. And if so, I'm happy that you stayed. So this is uh, the 34th anniversary of the Parinirvana of Chogyam uh, Trungpa Rinpoche, the Dorje Dradal of Makpo was another title, a great Mahasiddha or master teacher. <clears throat> so the title that I gave this morning's talk was a quote uh, from Coben, my Zen master. I didn't realize it at the time, but it only took a few years um, to realize that he was my teacher, one of my teachers, my, the one that had to come up and clean up the mess that was left by um, the Vidyara Trungpa Rinpoche when he, Trungpa Rinpoche, showed me how to dismantle what this was. But then I didn't know how to clean up the mess. So I'll start out with the Coben part of it. We can go back and forth here. Welcome to ask questions once I come to a point where I'm winded out of breath. I'll see. So a little bit, I met Trungpa uh, Rinpoche in uh, 1973 after reading books on Buddhism for a dozen years and then stumbling into running into cutting through spiritual materialism and uh, meditation in action. I think it was the other book, but the cutting through is the powerful book. As some of you know, we study it all the time. We've been studying, been studying it. I've been studying it since I first read it and we've been studying it as a group, a group that I would, convene, I guess you'd say, since 1975, once or twice a week. Trung so, um, Purnpachi was a, had a, a way of teaching where he was able to meet everybody where they're at. That would be my way of describing it. And it was, it was like if you, when you met him, you just felt like it wasn't, it was some kind of situation where and other people have described it this way. Also, it feels like your mind stops working. I don't know, you know, the attribution there could be just being kind of slightly embarrassed sitting in front of a, a Tibetan Lama. What is a Tibetan Lama? Some kind of a, a reincarnation of a living Buddha somehow. Pretty impressive. So, but there was some quality of, of presence there that was extremely powerful that others, if you had any kind of openness at all, which meant you knew how confused you were, that's what I call openness. Um, you realize you might be ready to hear, might be ready to receive this kind of a teaching. Extremely frightening for me. I'm not sure if it was for everyone, but probably in different ways. So I can come back to that and talk a little bit more about uh, uh, Rinpoche, but right now go forward in time. Three years past uh, Rinpoche's uh, passing Parinirvana in, in 1987 to 1990, and it was just time of the year, right, right around just before and during uh, 
um, it was past the Parinirvana, past uh, April 4th and closer to the end of the month. <clears throat> and Coben uh, showed up uh, at, uh, at my house here in Battle Creek. Uh, it's kind of a surprise. I, I, I knew about him because my son, Mason Takado, uh, also had met him, I think the previous year when he went out, was at the Datun month-long sitting. Maybe it was a couple years before then. So, uh, so when I when I met Coben, I thought, oh, I really liked him. He's just a sweetheart of a guy, very friendly, smiled quite a bit, and was just great. And to give him a, a hug, as I sometimes have said, is like hugging a feather. So he had a he was not particularly feminine, but he had very strong kind of, I would characterize feminine kind of energy, very, very soft. And it continued to be that way until I asked him to be my teacher. <sighs> Ever had a ghost pass through your ears? <laughs> I don't think they need to go through the ears. They just go through. <laughs> so was that him? Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. It matters. It matters. So you can't dismiss it, but it doesn't matter and that you don't need to do anything with it. Different way of looking at that. So, <laughs> the first few days he stayed at our house, Coben did, and uh, Shoho is a student, a friend of mine from early 1960s that I met at the Art Institute of Chicago, show the person that also ordained uh, ordained me in this uh, Soto lineage uh, after Coben had passed and his Parinirvana was in 2002. So the part that I want to, the title is, uh, he wanted to be king. That's, um, that's uh, an exact quote. Of, that Coben said, because I didn't ask for Dokasan. We had a meditation room uh, there, which uh, we practiced meditation and a Shambhala organization that I uh, started, I guess it was 1975 and continued to go on and on with a group of people in the uh, Southern Michigan and Battle Creek area and around. And we also made trips down to Chicago, Dharmada to the center down there. That's where I actually met Arimpache in uh, it was late 1973. <laughs> anyway, um, Coben had been there a few days, and uh, my mother was still alive. She passed away in October of that year, so she got a chance to meet Coben, and other people uh, came. Uh, and of course, Michael was there. Mason was there. Um, several. Uh, my youngest son, Aaron, was there, and his girlfriend. Lots of people came and went, and uh, so. You know, I, I didn't even think to ask Coben for Dokasan. He was right there. I just was kind of like, I wasn't really thinking this, but I was kind of thinking, well, I already have a teacher. I don't need a teacher. I mean, he died three years ago, but it doesn't matter. I, I heard what he said, and I intend to practice it until this collapses. So I, I wasn't wasn't having any, any difficulty with looking for another teacher. It was more like, I don't need any other teacher. But then as time went on, uh, that changed. And one of the things that changed that was the dokasan I had with, with him that he asked for. 
So he, um, I have no idea what, what was up with that other than he just kind of came up to me and said, cool. Meditation room was upstairs. Like he spoke pretty good English, but he wasn't, he wasn't speaking. He was kind of like that. And I, I said, Oh, the, uh, in the, the shrine room upstairs. He said, like, so, so we went, I wasn't sure whether he wanted to meditate or whether he just wanted me to show him where it was at and then leave, or I really wasn't sure. So I was uh, pretty confused by his presence was very strong, but it was, uh, I was going to use this as a contrast, a different way of teaching. And I sometimes say, I'm not like either one of those gentlemen, maybe a little bit, but not much. What, what, but what they did do is they gave me uh, permission to not be like anybody else. And I say this to you over and over, you've heard me say, uh, repeating uh, a trunk parenthesis, admonition, be genuine. Shortest Dharma talk I ever heard him give was be genuine. I think he gave it quite often. So we can talk about that later, but... So we got up to the, the shrine room, which was a Shambhala organization as uh, Dharmadhatu slowly morphed into more of a Shambhalian uh, path, uh, especially after uh, the Vidyadara passed. Uh, and and Sakamipam was trying to, trying to understand how to make things keep going. And also the Vajra region, Ursul Tenzin has had passed also, who was a Trungpa Rinpoche's Dharma heir. Also the Sakyong, was it was a son, so he was naturally had uh, that situation also, but a different. I don't think he expected to have to kind of run things right away, so maybe challenging for him. I don't know. Didn't talk to him about it. So we went in, and and I didn't know. I was just kind of watching his lead, what he wanted to do, and he, the altar was lower. It was about so high than say this one, uh, and we call those a shrine. Like this is a shrine, and the Zen style is the altar, but similar kind of a, a table with stuff on it and uh this particular shrine had photographs of the vidyatara and, and of other teachers of uh um the vajra region nurse tenzin and had um, suzuki roshi was on there so it was a zen teacher on, on their photographs and also uh dugo kense rinpoche was there and um and a, a reproduction of a tanka was there and so then the water bowls and so on like they have on this particular one here and so we sat down and uh, he he sat down right right up tight to to it like this and just like looking at it like he was like he was like he was in a delicatessen or something like looking at everything that was on it he'd seen these before so it was like it's very similar but he was like and, and kind of like a small talk kind of thing i don't know what was I don't recall, the, I, there's only one part I really remember vividly, and this is the one I want to relate to, that is the title of the, uh, and he, uh, the title of the talk. And he, he, he's very, he was very appreciative. There was no criticism, but then he smiled and said, you want to be king? And I looked at him and I, I realized that, you know, you could look at that lots of different ways. And the way I looked at it, at first I thought, well, a little bit of a criticism, but no, it's a description. And I, and I thought, and I, should, I said, yeah, I think I agreed. I said, I think he, I think he didn't want to be king, 
my understanding, and I don't know what he was meaning by that. I know we didn't have a conversation, but my way of, uh, of uh, justifying it, I said, well, he had to, had to do something to, to plant the Buddhist teachings in this country. So I was giving, letting him get off the hook a little bit for that. But yeah, there was a, he was kind of pointing out his style was kind of a, what, uh, kind of look how great I am or something like that. And the other part of that is he was great. He was a, he was a Mahasiddha, a great being without a doubt. And the person that was pointing that out was also a great being. So. <laughs> Uh, I wish I recorded that. I'm sure a lot more happened um, as far as question and answer, but maybe not. Maybe that's that was it. I have no idea. I don't recall. We sat there for a little while longer, just a little bit of Q&A back and forth. As I said, I don't recall, but got up and left. And then, then my that interaction, I, I started to change my feeling about who he was. A little bit started to change, and I still wasn't sure but I was still was in a kind of a thing. Well, I don't need any help. I, I know what to do. And excuse me, I'll be fine. I'll just keep practicing. So, uh, but it went along as time went on and uh, it would keep kind of tugging at me. Like I should need to do something about this. And I don't know. I didn't have anybody to tell me. And so I asked him, I said, uh, it, was, it, was a, it wasn't right away. It was a year or two later, maybe two years. I don't know how far I, I think, uh, and this is back when I was thinking more. <laughs> it's not not something to brag about. It's, you know, any, anybody but 80 years old probably doesn't think too much. If they do, they're not sure what they're thinking about anyway. So I thought about it. I didn't ask any. I didn't discuss it with anybody. I just, I knew how to get a hold of him. I knew where he was. So I called him. I didn't do this face-to-face. -face. I called him and I and we talked like he was very friendly and just a complete sweetheart. And and I said, and some of you have already heard this story, but I think this might be a good time to say it uh, again. And I said, uh, and I was and I was hesitant about it because I felt like I'm am I really sincere? What what is my I couldn't see my intentions for doing this. And so what I came up with is well, my old friend uh, Shoho from uh, art school. He was a close friend, and he was a he was a student, he was a fully ordained monk, and he had met him at Naropa Institute uh, about seven or eight months after I had met the, the Vidyadara in Chicago. So we, we both went to, not the Art Institute, or the, but the uh, Naropa Institute. Uh, so I met Michael at the Art Institute in 1960. Well, I'm not gonna remember that. So we're, he goes to the, I go to the first session of Naropa, and, and that's where I, Rinpoche puts me into a 10-day solitary retreat, just tells me to do that, basically, uh, without me asking. And then uh, the next session, which I did not go to, that's the one uh, Shoho, or Michael, the person who gave me a um, um, monastic vows in the Soto lineage. Uh, he went to the second session, and he met Coben then. So Coben, and, uh, Coben uh, knew, uh, was there, knew, Rinpoche, and there are occasionally you'll see a photograph and back in the old days of Trump and Coben together. So they were also both Dharma teachers and both friends of each other. So um, where was I? Oh, so I, and I kind of assume that he's going to, uh, I say, so I'm thinking of 
why do I want, why do I want to do this? I thought, well, my son uh, is, he has uh, received uh, a Roxu and has received, uh, uh, I don't know, he occasionally watches. I don't keep track of what he's doing, but he may be here, may not. He may come back and say, Dad, <laughs> this is crazy. You never met Coben. <laughs> I would not disagree with <laughs> So, um, Takado, that means, I think that means perfecting path. So that's the name that uh, Coben gave to Mason. So Mason's still working on that. <laughs> so, um, so I'm not sure why, but I know, well, I mean, I kind of justify it in my head. I don't ever already receive vows from uh, uh, refuge and bodhisattva vows and uh, from uh, the Vidyat or from Trungpa. So I don't need to do that again. Do, do I? Or, and I'm conducting this. I'm a meditation instructor, not a, not a Dharma teacher, but an instructor. I teach people how to meditate. And, uh, and, and I didn't, didn't think or know if I'd ever go any further than that. I know Gyume is on here. And I know when I met Gyume, Gyume said, well, why could you be my teacher? I said, no, 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 not a teacher. I said, I'll, I'll tell you how to meditate. But, you know, everything goes up, up to the Sakyong. This was back in, I don't know, 20 years ago or so. And uh, so even then, I still was uh, even, uh, about, even though I had, functioned as a meditation teacher and help people study, I did not feel like this was something I should be doing. So to go on a little bit more about, uh, uh, about the interaction with Coben, because it went on for several years. As, as, when I called him, I said, so he was, as I said, he was very nice. And I said, I would like to, I would like to take the precepts, uh, take the, the, I didn't say Jukai, I think I knew the name, but I, I want to say, I knew it was the 16 precepts. And I had read them. I said, I, I want to take the precepts with you. And it was about wanting to be part, you know, wanting to be part of that community and connected with, uh, with not only Shoho, but also my son. So it was kind of that kind of a feeling. And it didn't seem to go any further than that. But it was still... Um, Something I, I something I didn't understand about it, because I I wanted to do that, but he helped me clarify what I was doing, and what he said was uh, in a, in kind of a gruff well not kind of it was a gruff voice. He said, "Correct me if I got this wrong." <laughs> he said, "You don't you don't take precepts; you observe them," and that. It was such a change or such a contrast between the person I was talking to on the phone, exchanging, um, what is that called? When you exchange, like pleasantries. Pleasantries, yeah. It's very pleasant. He's a delightful, he's a delightful gentleman. And of course, I found out later that he, he never exchanged anything but pleasantries with everybody but me. Well, was that my projection or? We don't know. So what happened was, uh, and of course, I, if had I been, if he had he not been teaching me, because he could see what I was doing, and so he just kind of went in and said, "I see you have a, a nerve exposed there. I think I'll jab it with an ice pick," because that's how it felt. It was, it was very embarrassing because that's when I saw how much pride I had. You know, hard. It's hard to see that you're full of yourself and have somebody come up uh, out of their, their uh, 
wanting to help you and are willing to go right into the wound. Say, by the way, you have a big spot right here. Just ask me to help you. I'm going to do that. Would be the words that he would say. And I don't know how to say that in Japanese. So I would have liked to have said, Mason is there. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm not going to read what he said because he'll blow my old presentation here. Uh, so, so I wanted to say, well, yeah, oh, okay, well, I'll, I can do that. I'll observe him then. But no, that I was not able to kind of continue my, my pride situation. He busted a hole in it. Probably had something to do with doing really intense pra pra uh, practice for the previous 17 years uh, under the guidance of the Vidyatra. I'm sure that I have to give anything there that allowed this to open up enough to even take something that was that could be looked at as a, uh, you know, being uh, unfriendly or being impolite or being disrespectful to me. Uh, because that's how it felt, but I knew that what was really the truth was not that. I could see that that was, he was actually helping me. So he, as soon as I, that couldn't have been a half a second go by from the time I asked him to function as my teacher, that he began teaching. And luckily, I was able to see that. The downside of it, that's the upside. The downside, it took me from that time on, he just kept resisting. And my 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 idea, not his. I don't know what he was doing, but I I think uh, I was not really willing to present myself in a way that was strong enough that he could see that he had reached that nerve, and I understood what that was, and was willing to function as a student of his and observe these practices. So, boy, that was hard, and. Then I would try to try to seal it off because I could. He wouldn't talk to me. If I would call him, he would he would talk for a minute, find out who it was. It's just like, and and I wouldn't, you know, I didn't really think I'm going to need to go see him. And so that would have been my understanding. I probably need to go see him, but I didn't. I kept thinking, well, I could just talk to him on the phone. No, it wasn't going to work. He uh, he would say he would just be busy. Well, I can't, uh, I, uh, I don't know what it was. He would say something, it was never mean. It was just, it was kind of impersonal. It was as if, you know, you just made a sales call. You know, well, I'm really busy. I have something else to do. He didn't say even call me back later or come and see me. He said nothing. He just said, I'm busy. It's like the, the story that some people tell. I don't know if I, I wouldn't, couldn't tell this uh, correctly because I wasn't there. I just hear it at uh, hearsay at the time somebody came who was having a great deal of difficulty and sat in front of Coban, this is down in the, in the Taos in New Mexico. Uh, and, uh, and eventually Coban said to him, I, I have, I'm having a lot of trouble too, you know, kind of commiserating with him a little bit, uh, you call it. And then he got up to go to the bathroom, which is across the room and went to the bathroom. And the guy sat there for, I guess, quite a while. And then finally, Went and knocked on the door and opened the door, and it was a bathroom, of course. And then the windows opened, and Coben was gone. <laughs> <laughs> Coben was, uh, uh, his name was, or his Dharma name was Cloud Phoenix. So he was very much like a Cloud Phoenix. 
So I eventually got to the point, I would put it down and just say, no, uh, then apparently this isn't supposed to be true because it's supposed to happen. So I even went into a long retreat uh, after that and tried to, I didn't even take a photo of, uh, of, um, of, um, of him. With, I was just concentrated on my, uh, the time I was doing, uh, uh, doing nundro practice still after many years of doing it. So <clears throat> finally, the year that I think it was, it was June 26th that he passed, July. or July 26th of uh, 2002. So about three or four months, maybe as much as six months before that, I already asked Mason. I said, Mason, is he, does he ever treat anybody like that? Not that I know of. <laughs> so uh, maybe Mason remembers that differently and he can correct me. But it seems like he was saying, I don't know. I don't know. He, no one said, I think he's teaching you. You know, and no one said that. They just said, no. And they didn't say much. And uh, then um, Shoho, I said, so what can I do here? I, I really, I really think I need to, I'm, I'm positive I need to do this. What, what's the next thing I should do? And he said, find out wherever, he, wherever he's teaching at and go there and put it, get in his face and say, I want the Dokasan with you and say, say it that way. I want to have an interview with you. And, uh, and Michael Shoho, he, he was never any good at, I don't have any idea. No. Has he ever been, he ever treated you that way? So I found out later that he had. <laughs> at the time, I think he, he knew that uh, he didn't want to interfere with what was happening between uh, Coben and, and his old friend. So, um, so of course that's then I determined to do that. That's what I was going to do. I would find out where he was going to teach. If he was going to, he's the was a wisdom chair at the uh, Shambhala Mountain Center. So I thought, well, maybe he'll be teaching there. Whatever that is, I'll find out when that is, and then I'll go. Uh, well, I, I don't think anything showed up uh, for that summer. I can't remember what the situation was, but on uh, I was still planning on finding him sometime the next wherever he was going to be. Perhaps I was waiting for him to be closer to where I was. Um, but then uh, in 2002, then I heard that he had drowned in, uh, in Europe there with the, at Banya's uh, place. Was it Switzerland? So he, he had tried to save his daughter. So. so I didn't get to ask him. But then uh, I, I was, uh, because I had visited Mason in Japan, I had met uh, uh, Kabe and Hojo-san Otagawa, who was uh, Coben's brother, who and I also found out they didn't get along too well. And then both of these sons, their father was a priest, and I guess his father was a priest, and the, 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 the temple that we, that we were there in, Mason lived there for close to a year and a half to two years, something like that. And, and, and Mason is, of course, a monk. And where he worked there and, and learned a lot from Hojo-sama. And uh, he's come back and helped uh, with the, uh, the forms here in the monastery to make sure we don't run too far off the deep end, making things up. And so um, so then I, I asked, I told Hojo-sama, I sent Hojo-sama some pictures of, uh, that I'd taken with uh, Coben. And um, we talked back and forth through email for a little while. And then I just, Mason and, and Kathy, Mason's wife at the time, they, they had given me um, um, blank 
rock suit. You know, the, the situation then was you, you would get a rock suit that was commercially made, I guess, and rather than sew it yourself, whereas now we make our own here because we're cheap. So, <laughs> so anyway, um, and I remember at the time, and I don't know if I shared this with Mason or not, but I remember at the time I looked and said, well, what am I supposed to do with this? And, and then it, it's almost like he knew where I was headed. So then I, I uh, asked Kojo Sama if he would uh, give me, uh, I said, I know it's a long ways away. Is there, is, there some, is there any way we can do this? How can we do this? I want to receive a juke. I, I wasn't able to get it from your brother. And I told him, I said, I asked him, I, I took him through the whole thing. I've asked him many, many times and tried to get, and he always uh, takes off and probably, probably a cave in Hojo-sama probably, you know, he knew his brother well enough to probably, uh, even, and Coben even uh, abandoned his teacher, I guess, as the story goes, the teacher he had in Japan, didn't want him to leave. And, but Suzuki Roshi invited him to come over here along with Katagiri Roshi. And they, back in the sixties, they came over to, to help uh, Suzuki Roshi. So out in California. And that story goes about 1500 different ways. So anyway, I finally, uh, uh, he said, and he was uh, completely friendly. <laughs> so, and, uh, and I'd spent three, uh, in early 90s, I'd spent three, three weeks there visiting Mason when he was going through his training there. So then, uh, uh, Hojo Sama said, Yeah, and send me the rock. And I sent him the rock suit. And he wrote uh, uh, Plum Blossom Dharma. Uh, on the, so that was the, the name he gave me. And, uh, and I think he also put my, my, my Bodhisattva name from uh, Trungpur and Pachay on there also. I have to go back and look at it again. I'm pretty sure. So uh, going back to the Vidyatara. <clears throat> it's like it's, it's like you need it's like good cop bad cop kind of thing well it's not like that but it's it is like that it's like i needed to have i needed to, for me personally i don't know what other people need but i needed to have that to meet someone like the vidyatara who is incredibly a powerful manifestation of uh, of uh, not only a basic goodness but but uh, authentic immediate presence I don't. I never saw him personally leave the present moment. That doesn't mean I'm such a great perceiver of the present moment, but something about his his demeanor, his presence was just incredibly powerful. Of course, this is someone who had been trained in a in a, uh, a monastery since the age of what three or four, and and wasn't didn't have to leave till I think it was seventeen or eighteen. When then, of course, if you read more in Tibet, you read about their escape where they started out with three hundred. People and ended up with what twenty? Not many. Not many. A lot of them died. So he was he made it out of that one. Uh, so um, I'm happy to just respond to questions about the Vidyatara since this is Peri Nirvana. But I, I thought it might be helpful to for you to hear a little bit about how how these how I um, couldn't have had uh, if either one of them had been not there. Then I certainly would. Wouldn't be here either. And I won't go into any detail in that area, but I needed that help, kind of help. Question? Certainly. Good morning. Good morning. The uh, 
he wanted to be king. <laughs> it's a wonderful title. Uh, so his cremation was a month later in May, the Vidyadara uh, at Kamacholi. And uh, I'm wondering, um, what are your strongest recollections of that event at Kamacholi? Oh, my, let me start out with the beginning. My strongest recommend uh, uh, memory of him, personal memory is to meet him face to face in, a, in an interview. That, that outweighs everything, outweighs everything. But to come back to the, the cremation, I remember all the people. I remember, remember the circular rainbows. Uh, do you see, I'm sure you saw those two. I you, did. You and Zach and, uh, and Christy were there. Right. And so I remember those and I remember the, and I think I said in the text to you, the, um, the, uh, the bagpipes and the procession. And then I, I've taken some of those things. Now, you've probably not seen these watercolors because I don't publish those things, but I've done watercolors of different scenes that happened there, the procession with uh, Allen Ginsberg and all the other famous entourage people that come up and and uh, pictures of all the monks and all of the the Vajra Yogini uh, sadhana practitioners with all of their red uh, 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 headbands or blind blindfolds, actually. And I remember that. Um, but I, I think it's more simple things I remember, like the uh, people's faces, people that I knew that were there. Uh, I don't think I saw you there. Did you see me? I don't recall seeing you there. There's 300 people. Of course, I had a bag over my head, so <laughs> called ignorance. There's a big bag. How about you? What did you recall, John? I've been thinking about that um, the last couple of days. You know, I, I, I too remember the, you know, the, the rainbows, the, it was sort of misty, almost raining at one point, I remember. Yes. Um, my most vivid recollection really is the night before, um, because, uh, uh, people were um, sitting with his body, and uh, uh, it it was late at night, and uh, we were staying at a motel there, uh, not far from Cumberland. Patton and Carol were there. Patton and Carol Hyman, you may remember. Them. Yes, sure, certainly. And um, Christy wanted to go sit with his body, and it was dark, and I, it may have been raining. And it felt uh, uh, sort of, for me, kind of upsetting, uh, you know, that she would want to leave and, and go do that because I couldn't go with her because we had this 10-year-old boy with us. Zach. Zach. So, so I stayed at the, at the motel, and Christy went off to drove the car, strange uh, roads, and sat with his body, and I remember being so... I couldn't sleep waiting for her. Where was the protection? I thought. Where was the, where was the where, protection? Where was the protection? What yeah. keeps us safe? Yeah. You know, I thought that night, you know, what keeps okay. us safe? I didn't know. So that wasn't a question, that was a statement. Well, it was a question to myself, but it, it really was a statement because 
I had no clue. I don't know. Keeps us safe. She got back. I was awake. I was sure glad she was. Of course. It was an upsetting and confusing. I'm sure it was. Time that weekend at Comrade Cholling. Yeah. Please keep going. Well, it's taken a lot of years without doing too much thinking, or at least in the beginning, doing quite a bit of thinking, but uh, not so much as the years went by. Uh, to get a feel for the real meaning for me anyway of, of protection, of protectors. Because the Yadda used to talk about that all the time. He did. The, the dralas and, you know, all the rest. But I could never connect with that. I mean, I never had a, I never felt it particularly myself, but it's my own confusion, of course. But, but then gradually, you know, the sense of that came for me. Um, deeply meaningful, but I can't express it very well, what that means. I mean, I can't articulate. So how do you express the inexpressible? <laughs> I don't know. Does that make sense? No. Done to me either. <laughs> <laughs> We got it going on. <laughs> <laughs> we do. Yes, we do. Doesn't need to make sense. That's that's an ego mind wants to make things make sense. Wisdom mind doesn't doesn't see anything else but wisdom. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you for sharing your your uh, experiences with with Chogim Shunpa and and with uh, with Kobenchino. Um, eh. Yeah. Very, meaning, very, very nice. Very, very sweet, really. Thank you for that. Certainly. Choka Bowling. Go ahead, Choka. As students and practitioners, what is important for us as a practice to honor uh, the Pari Nirvanas of your teachers? Just, just hold the form. Just hold a form. If I die tomorrow, just continue to hold this form or change it. That's how you hold a form. You hold a form. And then if you're actually holding the form, if you're observing a form, as Coben said, uh, what, 31 years ago, if you're, if you're observing a form, then you will know if it needs to shift or move because you're no longer looking for something else. You're looking at the form. And you see the form as the nature of your of your mind. You can't see anything else. If you see other things, this is duality, this is confusion, and you will start torturing yourself and others very subtly. It's very subtle, sometimes very sophisticated, sophisticated kind, kind of torture, sometimes called comes in the guise of being a doctor or a helper or a servant. Very subtle. Find out who you are. So there's no doubt. If you have any doubts about your identity, you have work to do. 
when I say work, I'm saying, uh, did I did I tell you how I renamed the White Warriors Ball? What did I what did I recall it? What did I call it? Farmers Ball. I just changed it again. It's a Workers Ball. I'll check in with you later. See if you remember that. Do you follow me? Is that a response clear enough for you, or what you want more? Shogabang, until that scene is as thorough as relating to the form, how you mentioned, how do we how do we practice with that? So when it comes to the form, more is better. I mean, because you almost have to say that because it's so easy to just not not meditate, not have any forms, not have a monastery, not have a practice, not have a schedule, not, 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 not. Until the next thing you know, you're just working out of your six sense fields. I, this smells good. That smells bad. This tastes good. That tastes bad. We're taught we're, we are addicted to grasping the good stuff and sho shoving away the bad stuff, not based on this fundamental nature, but based on, on how much it helps us escape from what's in front of us. In other words, impermanence. It's not about getting rid of that. It's about seeing that, observing that, watching that come and go. So the form, hold the form, hold the form. And that doesn't mean meditate all day long, but it, it might be. It might mean meditate a lot more than what you're meditating. It might mean cut back on the meditation, but it needs to come out of your mind stream, your consciousness. And if you don't understand, that's when you need a teacher. You need someone that you can, when I say trust, or you can give the benefit of that out to is not trying to manipulate you control you, abuse you, get some kind of power over you. They're not on some kind of a power trip. That's something that, that was obvious. Coben was not on a power trip. Uh, the Vidyadara, you could say he was on a kind of power trip. He was, he, he had, a, had an army. And that's, I had a lot of things. I, he was had such a, had such a powerful connection with him. It was very hard for him to do anything what wrong. He did things that I was really irritated with after I'd spent, uh, my father was killed in World War II, went to a war he didn't want to fight, but he was drafted and had to go. He was 26 years old and he was shot. And I spent four years in the Marine Corps and realized what, what a horrible situation that was uh, on the, with the banner of we're just protecting, we're just protecting. So that's uh, somewhat along the lines where uh, John Roadhouse was talking about the dralas. There, there is a quality, I, I just think, I'm not arguing against dralas or against protection. We ask for it every day here. But it depends on what kind of form that takes. If it starts to take AK-47s or M1 Garands or M16s or uh, some kind of weaponry, uh, then it's, uh, it is, as far as I'm concerned, it's immediately suspect. Not wrong, but something should be looked at before we continue in that area. So when it comes to your particular neurosis or mine or anyone's neurosis, it needs to be seen. So we're not, we don't need to do a practice that gets rid of the neurosis and makes us feel like a more of a holy, kind, loving, decent person. That kind of stuff uh, may, may arise and may not, but it's very important to see what is true, not conclude what is true, and then try to apply that or smear that all over our life so we don't have to look at the the garbage pit that might be below that. More? Shokobang, uh, in your stories about Chogyam and Koben and 
Coven's brother. How can uh, Dharma teachers or, or realized people be realized and have uh, difficulty with each other in their relationships? Dependent origination. It's just dependent origination. You think all the angels agree with each other? I mean, there's, we can go any direction you want to go. We can go to the, the, all of the bad press that the Vidyatara got. And a lot of that was, was substantiated by people's yes, that he did do this or he did that. But what I have to look at because of my particular connection with him, which I don't know how many thousands of years this goes back, but it goes back a ways. That doesn't give me some kind of fancy credential. But causes and conditions uh, are, are untraceable. I mean, you can do some tracing, but you can't pin anything down. All, all evidence is partial just because of it shows up as evidence for you're missing everything else. Anytime you go, this happened, even if it's relatively true, because it's such a, an incredibly magnetic uh, uh, circus or uh, circularity. Yes, he, she, they did this. Therefore, they need to be punished or stopped or something. We just buy into that, not realizing the polarity of it. That's why I say, don't go to war. Don't go to peace. Don't go to warriors and don't go to farmers. Go to machinists or go to workers or go to what? You know, the idea there is to work with that dynamic uh, in a way that, that empowers us as practitioners, uh, whether it's a masculine form or a feminine form or what's the other one? Ambidextrous. More? Yes, I have one more question. With um, Make it quick. <laughs> with the example of Colbin and his brother. Yes. And things being dependently arisen, what is what is communication if that sense of dependent origination is still functioning in that way? So it is about, I'll say this, I've said, you've heard me say it, you're going to recognize it. It's about being aware of the dependent origination, not about changing it. It's about being aware that this is showing up as negative against somebody else that doesn't deserve what's happening. I'm not saying that isn't true, but you can't start at the effect. To I'll use a literal language. You have to start at the cause and you can't find it. All you can see is the effects. So at, when you're in the effect, don't agree with it, don't disagree, and don't ignore the passion, aggression. The whole formula is there. So that may be difficult because if you're actually doing that, and you're not pushing, pulling, uh, or uh, subtracting, or however you want to say it, or dividing, if you're not doing any of that, then the clarity around that is extremely powerful because your personal imposition, in other words, your projections onto that, uh, are not, or might not be there at all, or might be very, very uh, transparent, so you can actually see more fundamentally what that is. And this is when, when, when the wisdom that, that sees the wisdom, this is when compassion arises. This is when the Avalokiteshvara looks down and hears the, the cries of the world through you. You won't feel like a particularly privileged person. I'm not saying that. But you need to see it and receive it. Receive it. 
don't object, don't agree, don't look away. So receiving is something as a practice. That's the ground path and fruition. That's the practice part of it. If there is a fruition, there, there won't be anything to receive because you won't be able to find anything that is different than you, other than you. No matter how big its horns, no matter how much its halo is glowing. Good and evil up and down. The sadhana we just read, it's all over in the sadhana. Go back and read it line for line. There's all kinds of lines in there pointing to Vidyadara through his uh, downloading uh, the Kagyu fathers into this uh, specifically uh, Karmapakshi, who we have sitting on this altar, a little rupa of Karmapakshi, because I have a really strong connection with Karmapakshi. Do I? I don't know. Probably my imagination. I just want to have some kind of romantic thing going on. Go ahead, Jason. Forgot. So it was Mason, somebody asked, uh, Mason's was on there. I want to see if he's making fun of me or if he's trying to help me. Where is he at? Shotobound, I can read it for you. Oh, go ahead. <laughs> Mason, Mason said in response to Coben, I once saw him hit a guy with an ax handle. Okay, okay well, he must have been a more, more important student than I was. <laughs> was the was the axe still attached to it? I hope. <laughs> Hi there. Yeah. Um, so there was this uh student yeah. that came to Coben. Um the guy's sister was a student of Coben, and the, and the sister said, um you got to take my brother. He's, he's nuts. He's off the rails. You got to help him. Uh, so this guy, Jonathan came, he, he was bipolar. He had been diagnosed as bipolar and he was this kind of gruff carpenter from Maine, about 40, a uh, big guy. Um, but he was kind of a loose cannon. I, I think everyone was a little scared of him and he started taking advantage of that. He was like the, in those pre-internet days, a uh, version of a troll. You know, he just loved to get a rise out of people. And, and like, I think like modern internet trolls, he just wanted everyone else to feel as bad as him. Um, so he was just causing havoc in our little community. Um, and we kind of went crazy along with him. Um, and kind of reacted to him. And at one point he took the very beautiful Bodhisattva statue off of Coben's altar and it disappeared. And we were like, what happened? Did somebody come in and steal it? This was summertime. So a couple of weeks later, we, somebody happened to open the fireplace, the wood stove, and it was in there. And I remember Coben just kind of looking down and smiling a little bit, you know, everyone else flipped the fuck out <laughs> and um it came to a head and then coben said nobody knew this at the time right but coben had told him to go off his meds oh. and that's kind of what precipitated his really starting to go nuts like he was up all night doing shit like putting the statue in the fireplace you know <laughs> And uh, then Coben said, okay, go to Ojo Caliente. They have lithium water there. You go there for a month and drink that lithium water every day. And everyone got so pissed at Coben, like, how? That's so irresponsible, telling him to go off his meds, <laughs> you know? 
Jonathan never went back on his meds. He mm. met a woman at Ojo Caliente. They got married. I saw him years later. He still wasn't on his meds. He was perfectly well adjusted. Did he I have a? Did he have knew something. We. I'm sorry. When did he hit him with the axe handle? Oh, sorry. I, <laughs> yeah. At one point, so right before, right before, Coben told him to get out of there. Uh, we were all in in our house where he lived, called the dog house, and Coben was just scolding Jonathan in front of everybody. He was like a very performative. Um, just dressing him down. And he's, then he asked Jonathan, okay, you need the Kiyosaku. I'm going to give you the Kiyosaku. Is that okay? And Jonathan said, okay. And Coben went and rummaged around in the wood, the firewood pile, and came out with an axe handle with Kill no that. head on it. And he, <laughs> he made Jonathan sit up straight and got show. And he whacked him on both sides, very ceremoniously. Wow. But pretty hard but very controlled, you know, just right on the shoulder muscle. Yeah. Oh. And that, and then the next day, Jonathan left Yeah. Uh, for the, for the hot springs. So I don't know. I thought that was, yeah, that blew my mind how good of a teacher Coben was to Jonathan and to the rest of us. Cause we had no idea. <laughs> we were just going crazy along with him, you know? We thought we were we thought we were sane and Jonathan was crazy. <laughs> <laughs> That's often the case. Thank you, Mason. Yes. Yu Hong has a question there. Oh no, she doesn't. She's bowing out. So uh Junchu, go ahead. Uh question from Semi in Portland. Yes. What is a vidyatara? Uh vidya means uh, Sanskrit for knowledge and Yadara means a holder of knowledge, holder of wisdom. Yadara, it's a title. Uh, early on, he the the um, the sixteen Kamapa called him, uh, gave him a name, the uh, Vajracharya, which means a Vajra uh, teacher of uh, uh, indestructible wisdom. And then the one after that was Vidyadara, or wisdom or knowledge holder. Simply, as far as I know, that's what it is. If you could, you don't. If I'm off, then uh, Chisho would probably correct me. Is that correct, Chisho? No. I got a thumbs up. How do you say thumbs up in Chinese? Tianzhen. 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 Is that right, Joyce? Tianzhen. <laughs> pretty soon we're going to speak, be speaking all 350,000 languages in the world. Might, might have to live a little bit longer. Have somebody take over. Further questions, please? Yes, sir. With both of your teachers, uh, the something that you bring up shows up, which is the death comes without warning. Yes. Both of your teachers died quite young. Yes. Is there any way we consider that, can consider that while uh, you're embodied and we have the support there physically? What's the question? Um, how we should work with our practice, knowing that you could be gone before this talk's over. Um. Just practice. I don't know. Any other questions? I mean, I'm not sure we were even asking me. Just if, if you had knew that Colvin was going to be. Yeah. Oh, I see. On. Yeah, maybe better. We, you know, we could. Yeah. We'll just drag our heels with. Yeah. Well, just, just uh, you know, nothing lasts. This won't last. I won't last. You won't last. You may go first. I may go first. Just because we're. 
I'm I was old enough to be uh, to be uh, Mike Young's uh, dad, and he died of a massive. Our friend uh, uh, who passed, who had a massive heart attack here, uh, February twentieth, I think it was. Uh, didn't see that coming. He seemed really healthy, and, and he's gone. His 49th day is this week. Yeah, his 49th day. Uh, his picture is on the altar, along with uh, 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 Christy Hansen's, also uh, John Roadhouse's uh, wife. She's on there too. I looked at both of them this morning. Yes, sir. She was on. What did you mean by clean up the mess? Uh, well, I was fine, fine with being a mess. But I'm saying what got deconstructed, uh, uh, I didn't know it was a mess. And so I still didn't know what to do with everything that came apart. And I needed uh, Coben. I needed Coben's help. So the yatter had passed. I, I wasn't able to get his help. And also he was extremely popular. So it was very hard to get it without hammering at the door. Even that didn't work. So, but he'd been gone for three years. So uh, as I put uh, to use that kind of a character uh, image, the uh, Vidyatara helped me see that that what this was is put together. It's a bunch of parts. This classical way of talking about it is a five skandhas. Things are put together of parts that look like an apparent being yourself. Uh, it's not true. Oh, but then when everything comes apart, then you then there's just that kind of feeling of emptiness. We don't have anything anymore. So then what do we do? We, we, fill it, we fill it up with our pride about seeing emptiness. A lot of intellectual people do that. They're extremely prou uh, proud of their relative knowledge because they're smart people. So you have to transcend that. Uh, you have to do it. No, you don't have to do it. You do whatever you want. You'll have plenty of students that want to learn in the way you're teaching. They're all over the place. You go on the internet and find anybody and the one that has thousands and thousands of students, a little questionable, unless they have something that manages to fluff that up a lot, like uh, like Dalai Lama. I consider him a true teacher. Um, but he has a. That's why they need that lineage so that they can have some kind of strong structure around it. Otherwise, it, it'll die out. Look how it, it died out in India. Basically, it's. It, it's not died out uh, other places, but it's a lot weaker because it's a, it's a relative, it's a relative situation. That's why we we have this. That's why we uh, founded the order of immediate light in order to protect this particular way that not that it's better than anybody else. It's just a way. And so that's why we have that protection within the Soto Zen lineage, which goes back to the 13th century in Japan. And even further than that, and uh, Kaodong goes back further than that into ancient China, and then back to the time of the Buddha. More? I guess I'm still confused by the notion of there being a mess that needs to be cleaned up. What, what was wrong with the mess? I didn't see it. The, me the mess was what was left by the, the coming apart. And left, to me, it was just empty of whatever used to be there. It was seeing that there was no self. But it's a mess. It's still a mess because you still have all these other all these other situations that you you think are are um, you don't really see 
the, the conventional way is sometimes talked about in the Tibetan traditions, uh, um, so I think it's social tarpa or one and a half fold egolessness. You see there isn't any self and you congratulate yourself. Uh, uh, that's the first boomy. But then you, you kind of can get stuck there without having some help, perhaps. Or maybe some people don't get stuck. I was stuck in my, my intellect about what I understood and what, what I saw. So I was at the same time I was stuck. I also knew that I didn't I didn't really understand enough to do anything other than tell people how to meditate and help them discover uh, just uh, study the books that I was studying. And now I, I not that I've forgotten about the five skandhas or forgotten about the 12 links in the chain of existence or forgotten any of that. It's just that I don't teach out of those. I, I teach out of what I see. And then if I need to know anything uh, uh, intellectual about it, it's right there. It's the third skanda. And I, I just make, I don't make it up, but I just, it just comes up as I need it. But I'm actually looking at what I was looking for. Not because you're so cute. <laughs> Even though you are, not too bad. <laughs> I mean, for a monk. <laughs> you see what I'm saying? I mean, so you're, lo you're looking at your heart's desire all the time. It doesn't mean that it doesn't smell like uh, uh, cow shit or that doesn't, it isn't really seductive like, uh, what was that kind of ice cream we had? Ice cream. <laughs> uh oh, I forgot. Kozan's here. You had ice cream. Kurt Kozan is trying to help me do what other people ask me. Please remain. And I say, help me. So she intends to do that. <laughs> and everyone does that in their own way. Ondo. Ondo Bowing. Um, what did your teacher's physical presence give you? Uh, well, it was different with each one, but uh, the Trungpa Rinpoche was, it was just, it was, a lot of it was kind of embarrassment because you, you, I felt like you could read my mind or see what I was, what, and that was so strong that I, I kind of turned it into a confessional. I, I, I really, really wanted, I was so desperate about my life and how I felt and kind of self-hatred and everything and, and shame and, oh, you name it, and, and seeing the pride but not being able to do anything with it. And then getting puffed up, and and so uh, was, uh, went through some different areas. Of those those interviews that when John was asking, well, I remembered when Amelia showed up as how powerful those interviews. Those uh, only had four face to face interviews, but just being in his presence was powerful. And I don't think it was because he had some radiating some kind of magic. Particularly, I think everyone had different feelings and ideas and. And interpretations or understandings and I just knew I'd met my match so to speak I knew I had to be a student of his if I wanted to live that was life and death for me it took a long time it was 30 35 years of studying and doing what I was told and that just started to change about 15 years ago to functioning Yes, please go ahead. There's a question in the chat box from Greg B. Yeah. yeah, Greg. Out of the blue, I dreamt Chogyam Trungpa Rinpoche coming down the stairs into a living room. He seemed to be swaying a bit. Could this have any meaning? Yeah, he swayed quite a bit. So it probably means he was drinking sake. So I don't know. I 
have dreams about him too, quite a bit. So, you know, I wouldn't go for the go for the meaning. I just stay with the with the vision. Just just if you if you look at that and don't abandon it for what it means, then you see what that vision is. You see, visions do not remain stable unless you feel unless you feel that stability by pushing, by pulling. And when I say pushing, I'm seeing aggression, uh, or or explaining, or uh, analyzing, or not that those don't have relative consequences. That's how that's how, why we have a, a vaccine. That's why we have buildings. That's why we have uh, carpenters and scientists. And that's why we have that because of working with relative truth. But relative truth is not the is not the spiritual path. It's not separate from it. The spiritual path is seeing the nature of what you're working with, seeing the nature of a nail, the nature of a hammer, the nature of a hand, the nature of eyes, the nature of this human form. We totally misunderstand this and think we're human beings. Pretty easy to do. You know, I mean, look in the mirror and you ever go in the look in the mirror, am I an alligator? Go look in the mirror. Have I turned into something else? Quite often, uh, discontinuous identity processes that are totally normal are made a big deal of by what? People who don't know what that means and don't like it and want to change it and call it a disease and want to fix you. And so if you come to me with saying you have three or four personalities, I want to talk to them. I'm not going to get rid of them, nor am I going to discount that. What a mean thing to do to somebody who's having an experience of separate identities. Just totally disrespectful to people's apparent neurosis, apparent Everything is apparent, except things that aren't. Anna Maria Bowing. Anna Maria. In the past, I've asked you once or 10 times what it felt like to you um, when Trungpa died. And um, my, my recollection was something to the effect that it felt complete for you. So my question is, how did Coben's, when you heard of Coben's death, how did that affect you given that you wanted to take, to observe the precepts with him and yes. how, to, how to work with what feels maybe like a unresolved- oh, stop, stop, just don't give me any ideas. Sorry. Just ask me the question because if you go back- When, and when, you, heard, when you heard of Coben's death, Yes. How did that affect you immediately? That's when I that's when I knew he was uh, he was a teacher of mine because I, I didn't mind him dying. I mean, I was sad like anybody would be. Oh, he was trying to save his daughter. That's uh, so. But it was not about a personal feeling as I didn't get to to you know. I, I my connection was already complete. I just needed to go in and say, "Yep." So I, I already knew. Uh, it took a while. It took years of contemplating that, thinking about it, contemplating until. I, I knew that I was his, I was his, he was my teacher and he was still alive and I needed to get to him. So I was tra trying to find out how I can get there. All I would have done is, and gone in and just say, I want, uh, I would like to receive Jukai. And if he'd said, uh, uh, he, no matter what he would have said, I would have just persisted. No, I need, I need to receive, I need to be a student of yours. I need to, I want to be a disciple of yours. I would have used whatever kind of words no matter what they were to connect with him. I knew I needed to do that. And then when he died, I thought, well, I have the connection. It's already a connection. No, but there was no particular sadness other than what a sad thing that he had to pass and his daughter so young had to die. And it's kind of a tragic kind of 
a situation pretty pretty sad but as far as the teacher student situation that was complete that had happened uh that happened uh maybe a year uh before then when i started realizing this it took a while it took many years of practicing and practicing and thinking about him and, and then also calling him on occasion every maybe once a year once every couple of years or i don't remember what it was i don't have a big list of all my phone calls but it would kind of back off and then i would just kind of ignore it and then it would show up and this time it was intense and it was and so but then the dying was somewhat similar to rinpoche the vidyatara dying is that and i kind of noticed with that it didn't wasn't that problematic it was problematic just like any human being dying is you know sad where they've left and we have all our attachments to them like if um uh, you know, I would really be sad if I died. <laughs> it's one of those jokes. <laughs> yeah, go ahead. Um, close to Juzan's question, but what can you characterize what it what it meant to pick up the pieces? I, I don't know if he. Did I say pick him up? I think it, you said that um, yeah. you needed Coben to. Sharampa uh, helped you see no self, but yeah. Coben helped you pick up the pieces. Well, I, I, picking up the pieces was probably a misunderstanding. He basically came along. And, uh, I kept looking at the pieces and thinking I was seeing emptiness, and he came. Came. I use this metaphor to. He came and ground the pieces into the ground. It's like saying. No, you're not even that. You're not even that person who sees emptiness and is able to talk about it intellectually. No, there isn't anyone. So he did that, and that was painful. You're going to be facing that. You have a robe on. You have a lot of pride. You think you're important. Not doesn't show to others. They don't all think, oh, she's so full of herself. No, I'm the only one that sees that. Go ahead and respond. You regret it. When I'm gone, you'll think, she just said something to that old man. I should have defended myself. I should defend myself? No, I said that's what you would think. Go ahead. I don't know what to say. Good one. Good response. That's a very good response. I wouldn't know what to say either. Don't get scared. I'm not going to be mean to anybody. Just go, just goes on. Shadow bowing. <laughs> yes. In an interaction like that with you and Kozan, are you trying to toughen us up? <laughs> She's already tough. She doesn't need toughening. This doesn't mean that, that doesn't hurt her. Of course it hurts her. I want to, my motivation is to help you see who you are. If you want that, I will help you as much as I can. If you want something else, you want to, then you should go somewhere else. As I sometimes say, that one thing I say, I'm not even going to repeat it because you remember what it is. Jason Bowen. Scratching your neck. <laughs> yes. Um, earlier, you were speaking with someone and uh, you, your answer to them was to that 
they need to look at the causes instead of the effects and that they wouldn't find those causes. My question is, were you speaking in that moment only to that person? Well, you're, you're coming back with a question about us. I think I might have been speaking to you. Well, that's what I'm wondering is, are you speaking to one person or all people? Everybody. And what I'm, what I'm saying about that, Jason, is I'm not saying there aren't causes, but we the ego mind wants proof. So it wants to stop at the nearest cause where it can collect. Oh, yeah. Okay. Now I know why. Now I know why I don't, I don't drink enough water. So therefore I feel this way or that way. So, and there are all kinds of immediate, you know, this cause, that cause, this cause, that. And our whole legal system is just filled with that situation. And it, it, it is relatively workable. I mean, it, it does work to some extent to keep things, uh, um, you know, somewhat dependable and somewhat what legal and keep us from killing each other somewhat. But it's, 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 a, it's an incredibly vast and complicated scheme built on relative truth. Not something to be gotten rid of. We need to have that there also. So, so I'm just saying, I would be saying to you, the way you've asked the question, I would say, go look into a little bit what caused what, but, but don't spend too much time looking for first cause. What's the fundamental cause of this? Because the fundamental cause of it, uh, if, you're, if, you're, if you're a Buddhist, if you're studying uh, the Buddha's Dharma, the Buddha's already told us 2,500 years ago, the cause of suffering or difficulty or stress is wanting something else wanting things to be different, desire, differentiation, thinking there's lots of different things and desire about wanting some things to back off, some things to get stronger, and then some things to we don't care about. that we're, Those are unimportant. It's called ignorance. So there's passion and then there's aggression and then there's the ignorance that is basically just a cloudy form. The actual, the clouds or the ignorance is closer to awakening. And actually, it's a dynamic of awakening when we say that confusion and realization are not two separate things. They're separated. But when we see what this is, uh, the, the, the realization is about the confusion. So therefore, they no longer separate. Just a way of talking about it. Jason, go so, ahead. So if the Buddha said that that is indeed the cause, then does that mean the Buddha saw Everything? Yes. We wouldn't be doing this if you if the Buddha saw everything. Anyone who realizes, whether the historical Buddha or someone so or lineage holder who begins to teach out of their realization rather than out what out of what they've been taught. They don't ignore what they've been taught, but they don't need that. They see it. They see it. If a polar bear comes up and and sits down in front of you, you can teach that polar bear if they let you live. I'm just It's a little bit silly, but I'm saying you, even the Vidyadara once said if you could teach a horse to meditate, probably. I think he said that somewhere. But you have to understand what that is. And, and there's no way that I, other than what I already try to do, can explain something to you so that you can grasp it in a, in a conceptual way where you don't have to train your mind. You're going to have to, as near as I can tell, and my understanding is, of course, limited like anyone else's. But the way it looks, you, me, I, we, us, we're going to have to sit down, hold still, and find out. It's a do-it-yourself project. You have to find out how to do this. You have to do what the Buddha did. You have to so, do Yes, go ahead, please. 
So myself, that other person you were talking to earlier, yourself, we could hypothetically see it if we do the practice, but like we obviously don't right now. I don't know, do we? I don't know if we obviously don't or not, but I'm, I'm just wondering, it seems like you're saying we can't see all the causes and conditions, but then it almost says like it's theoretically possible. It all says. Nah, I would said a lot. Said a lot. Julie, <laughs> do you have your do you have your tin whistle? Mason, I think Mason has his. Uh, is what is that? Mason is that a, is that a guitar? That's a bowed lute. Oh, okay, bowed lute. <laughs> So why don't you guys play a, a, an Irish tune together or anybody else that knows Irish tunes and, and we'll, we will conclude this with a, a little bit of uh, uh, music from the land of a lot of greenery. Who's got the whistle? Me. Uh, Julie, right down. She has her hand up. But I probably need the sheet music too. I would have to. Do you know any tunes? Yeah. You know, do you know Out on the Ocean? I could. Uh, no, I could see if I have the sheet music, but I don't, I don't have anything memorized. If you want to find it, I'll, I'll try to play it with you. <laughs> I'll look if you want to play in the meantime. <laughs> what was it? What was it? Out on the ocean. Oh, I'll look. Any, any other musicians out there? I just, uh, when I practice the fiddle, I just always listen to podcasts. And so Sunday mornings, I just listen to this and pace back and forth playing the fiddle. <laughs> I always told my guitar students to practice while you watch TV. Yeah. And then you can practice for hours and you won't even know it. Threw out on the ocean. Julie, what is that? What is that one song that you uh, you sent me a recording oh, of? The Sally Gardens. Uh, Mason, you know Sally, Sally Gardens. Gardens is, is that a real? No, it's like a more like a ballad, slower. Oh, the 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 song, the air. Yeah, yeah. What key do you have it in? D. <laughs> Go ahead and start it. I'll I'll jump in. Right. Sorry, I was turning on my headphones. Go ahead and start it. I'll I'll follow you. Okay. I think your uh, your something is limiting your uh, 
You got a raccoon in your microphone cage? You've got a setting. I don't I don't remember what it is, but it it gates it when it gets too loud or something. Oh yeah. Oh. Hmm. <laughs> Sheldon says uh, it's um, what is sound canceling from Zoom or something like that. He just says, yeah, you know, sound cancel. I don't know how do you how do you counteract that. I might have to do I, it through um, the browser. May have to figure it out, and then we can uh, mm -hmm. get together and have a session. Yeah, you know? yeah. Maybe if I do it through the browser. I, I'm on my iPad, so it doesn't Zoom oh. doesn't have as many settings through the iPad. Mm. I remember I changed it at one point, but I don't remember how I did it. Oh, okay. Uh, let me write down and then uh, I'll, I'll uh, see if I can fix. Yeah. So check for sound counseling and suppress background noise. Yeah. Uh, yeah so and um, I just, uh, I have a group of friends. Um, noise canceling. Uh, I have a group of friends here from CU Music that um. I've been hanging out with they're all good musicians but none of them plays irish music so recently i gave them a, a, a bunch of tunes and said let's let's learn to play these tunes together so i'll send you guys those same tunes it's like 15 tunes oh yes please yeah and then i'll fix my settings okay okay we're gonna bow out i think we're all ready to go have lunch thank you dedicate the merit and then uh, and thank you for the music and i'll uh mason and uh, julie i'll hook you guys up uh, okay. so you can get a hold of each other okay. love you guys love you. love you thank you everyone love you thank you May the merit of this penetrate into all places so that we and every sentient being together can realize the Buddha's way. The ten directions, the three worlds, all the dogs, all venerable ones, bodhisattvas, mahatmas, Of the ten directions and the three times, please hear us. Please come down out of the light and protect Sokokoji Buddhist Temple Monastery. Our Sangha, families, friends, and visitors. Heal everyone who's unhappy, sick, or suffering and fill them with light. If you value the teachings of Sokozan and you would like to support his teaching work and the functions of Sokokoji Buddhist Temple Monastery, which also supports monk and practice residents, please consider giving a donation by visiting our website at sokukoji.org.